I'm Damian Lillard, and you're listening to From the Rose Garden on the Athletic Podcast Network. Rep City! Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. Hello and welcome to another episode of From the Rose Garden, your Portland Trailblazers podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave DeFore, joined as always by my partner in crime. Mr. Jason Quick, how's it going, Jason? It's going great, David. Blazers kind of got a big win last night. Uh, if, we're, if we're thinking about the playoff race, the teams they're competing with are Memphis, New Orleans, and San Antonio. And getting a head-to-head win is huge. Yeah, last night's win over San Antonio uh, secured the season series over the Spurs because this is one of the teams that they're only going to play three times. And uh, so Portland has now won two of the three. And uh, so they will have the tiebreaker in case the teams uh, finish in a tie. So very strong win. I still think there's some defensive concerns, but if you're a Blazer fan, you have to like what you saw, particularly in the fourth quarter, particularly in what is becoming kind of a mid-season story for this team. It's the emergence of Gary Trent Jr., who went six of seven from three last night, including four for four in the fourth quarter, and he pushed them to that victory. Guys, I mean, he's shooting 41.8% from three-point range this season, 56 of 134. He's only made one less three-pointer than Anthony Simons, and Anthony Simons has taken 40-some more three-pointers than Gary. So Gary Trent uh, is becoming a thing for this team, and it's not just his shooting and his offense. Coach Terry Stott has continually praised his defense, and uh, this is from training camp on, and says that defense is one of the reasons that Gary Trent Jr. Uh, is getting on the court right now. He, for the season, he's only averaging six, about 17 minutes a game, but I think that's going to be going steadily upward, and Anthony Simon's minutes are going to be going steadily downward. Uh, already, Trent is playing consistently more minutes than Simon, so you know, I don't think they've given up on Simons, but I think right now for this stretch run where every game is so important, it's clear that Gary Trent Jr. has kind of replaced him as that top guard off the bench. Yeah, we talked when when the team signed Carmelo Anthony that Gary Trent and his minutes were going to be one of the casualties uh, along with Nasir Little. And uh, it, it's it's interesting to see that that Gary Trent has figured out a way to shoot the ball so well. Last seven games, 57% from three on a little over five attempts a game. So it's not like this is you know a guy taking two shots from, from three a game. I mean, he's legitimately contributing up to 24 and a half minutes over that stretch, almost 12 points. I mean, this is this is the sort of production that they've needed, and especially as they're looking to get that eight seed. And man, last night, his minutes were so huge because C.J. McCollum got his fifth foul with about seven minutes left in the game. At that moment, Trent was playing the three. They had Lillard, McCollum, and Trent. McCollum had to go out with his five fouls. They brought in Ariza, moved Ariza to the three, and then Trent at the two. And they never had to bring C.J. McCollum back because Gary Trent was that good. So, you know, what a huge development for this team. And and really, you know, again, I, I'm going back to the defense. Defensively, he's not hurting them. And matter of fact, he's helping them. He, he's probably a better defender than C.J. So, uh, it, it's really a cool story. I'm, I'm developing... Uh, 
kind of a takeout on Gary Trent Jr. right now. We had a, a fabulous interview last night uh, after the game. He is really a, an interesting guy. Uh, he's very to himself uh, off the court. You know, hard guy to kind of get to know. A little bit intimidating in a way. But once you sit and talk to him, I've had kind of two extended conversations with him now. He is an incredibly interesting and fascinating guy with a with a great story. Um, of course, involves his dad a little bit. His dad coached him since he was five. Uh, and, you know, Gary Trent Sr. was obviously drafted by the Blazers and played here in Portland. But uh, there's a lot behind Gary Trent Jr. And I'm, I'm really, really excited to develop this story and let you guys know a little bit more about him. But uh, clearly right now, as, as this team heads into the All-Star break, Gary Trent Jr. is becoming a big, big part of this team. Yeah, if this if they make the playoffs, we're going to look at this stretch the last six games or so as, as the turning point of the season. They've won five of six, and in those those games, I mean, the one loss to Denver, who's a very good team, but but five big wins. I mean, they beat Indiana, which is a good team. They beat Houston. They beat the Lakers. They beat the Jazz, and then just beating the Spurs again to win the season series. Aside from Gary Trent's arrival, uh, what's the difference? between this team now who's getting these big wins that seem to escape them early on in the season and, and that and that team that was struggling so so mightily early well the easy answer is is Trevor Ariza he's uh kind of shored up this lineup they're they're not playing guys aren't playing out of position so he's made this a traditional and uh, a traditional lineup where they have a regular guy playing small forward not Kent Bazemore a, a short guy and uh, undersized. So that has been uh, one aspect. Gary Trent's emergence has been another aspect. And then Hassan Whiteside has been playing out of his mind. Uh, the pick and roll combination of Dame and Hassan has gone up a level. We're starting to see that slip pass from Dame to Hassan that became so familiar with uh, Yusuf Nurkic. And that slip pass is so important because of the way teams are trapping Dame and that's one way you beat a trap is you throw you thread that little slip pass uh in the middle to to the center and Hassan is finally looking for that Hassan uh Damien is confident enough in Hassan to do that and Whiteside has been just huge for this team over this stretch you know last night 18 and 14 with four blocks a game over the last six games. Oh, yeah, yeah. And last night, 17 points, 23 rebounds, four blocks. And, you know, I think we can put to bed the the empty stats kind of dialogue with him. These have been important numbers and impact numbers that he's been giving the Blazers, uh, I would say, for the last month, two months. He's been really on point for this team. And I think he's, he's also developed – a comfort level. Uh, he knows he's wanted now. He uh, understands what his what his teammates want from him, and I think even to a degree, what uh, he's got an understanding of of how to play with Coach Stotts. So uh, I think we're seeing a much more comfortable Hassan Whiteside, and uh, you know, kind of the big thing internally with him with the players is. At some point this season, he kind of called himself a horse. You know, I'm a horse. Get on my back. And now the team is really playing off that. And when he does 
makes a big play, they kind of, you know, do their foot in the, in the dirt and act like a horse. So, so uh, Hassan Whiteside is rolling and, and he's one of the factors in this kind of mid season turnaround, but it all really started. I think if this team makes the playoffs and we look back in the season, I think the number one thing people are going to look back at is the Trevor Reza trade is what kind of really sparked this turnaround. You know, so, someone on Twitter sent a tweet out. How, why is Trevor Reza playing like this? And CJ McCollum of all people uh, responded that it was culture. And it is obviously something that we've talked about all year long. I just think it's undeniable at this point that, that Damian Lillard, if you were making a list of best leaders in basketball, just based on performance, like it's gotta be Damian Lillard, Hassan Whiteside, Hassan Whiteside, like just uh, nobody wanted him. Carmelo Anthony. We know the story there. Trevor Ariza has been awful for like the last two or three seasons. And now all of these guys, I mean, you know, Carmelo's defense, people have been bringing up Carmelo's defense on a regular basis when they're talking about this team. Like, it's pretty clear that this Dame is just this this rising tide that can raise all boats. Yeah, I think Dame should get some credit for that. You know, also, I think with Trevor, I I think something there's something to be said for joining a veteran and accomplished group. I think in Sacramento and and I shouldn't speak too much on this because I'm not totally around the Sacramento culture and, and what's going on there. But you look at, at that roster, you know, the Foxes, the Bagleys, and all those young guys trying to find themselves and play for contracts and all that. That's a different environment than what you have in Portland where Carmelo has seen it all. Damon and, and CJ have been to the playoffs for six straight years. There's a certain understanding and knowledge of how to play the game and, and what translates to wins. And I think Trevor Ariza probably appreciates that environment much more so than what he had in Sacramento. This is a place where a veteran like Trevor, his strengths are played to more so than organization that is still trying to find themselves if that makes sense. Yeah, I think for veterans, you don't want the most important players on the team to be babies. And I don't mean babies right. in attitude. I just mean babies in life, you know? Uh, yes. You know, Trevor Reese's won, won championships and has been in the league for yeah. a really long time. It's tough to to go somewhere and, you know, this 21-year-old guy is the most important guy on the team. I, I can completely it, understand that mindset. Yeah, it makes a difference when you got guys who are playing for wins rather than playing for a contract. Yeah. And I'm not saying everyone in Sacramento is trying to play for a contract, but I, I, I think the perspective is much different for the roster of Portland than it is for the roster of Sacramento. I, it, the the results kind of speak for themselves, uh, I think. And like you said, he's just been incredible and given them exactly what they, they miss with Rodney Hood out. Yep, he, he's been really, really good. And the thing is, he he's not asked to do a ton of stuff. I mean, he's just guard their their top scorer, uh, hit an open three when you got it, and leak out on the break uh, if we have an opportunity. And and he's been really, really good at that. And he's got this really cool, uh, comfortable personality that really fits well in the locker room. You know, his locker is right next to Carmelo, and they kind of have this easy, mellow vibe about them that, that seems to mesh. So 
Trevor has been perfect. And and once again, you know, you got to tip your hat to to Neil Olshay for finding another midseason guy who turns out to be exactly what they need. He did it last year with Rodney Hood and Ennis Cantor. Did it a couple years before that with Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, and then also, you know, while we're at it, another second round find in Gary Trent Jr. Uh, you know, he did it with uh, Alan Crabb, Will Barton, um, Pat Connaughton. He's really been able to find gems in the second round. Uh, and then also the Portland coaching staff is able to develop these second round picks. Uh, you know, Portland takes a lot of pride in their player development. And uh, once again, another guy with some time in the Portland system has developed into, you know, Jake Lehman, another one, second round pick who developed into a pretty good player. So uh, that is, again, part of the culture too, Dave, is is hard work and development and uh, sticking with it. So a lot of good things going on for Portland right now, but it's still a big hole. I think they're three, three plus games behind Memphis. And uh, so it, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough task ahead of them. Um, okay. So yesterday was the trade deadline. So we should touch on that uh, at least briefly, not a whole lot of moves. It seems like the Blazers were trying to cut their luxury tax bill. Uh, Scalabissier yeah. being a, a sort of a casualty of that getting traded to the Hawks for a protected second round pick. Um, is this what you've been picking up that, that the tax for this season was really a, a priority? Yeah, I I wouldn't say a priority, but you know if they could do some smart business, they they were open to it. Uh, I don't think Neil was under the edict of cut the tax, but uh, I, I think again if there was an opportunity, they were going to do it. So uh, you know it it sucks to see Scal go because I think Scal really has some talent and he could really help this team, but. You know, his knee injury that he's still kind of rehabbing from, uh, that really was a blow to this team because uh, it was a time when they really could have used him. And I think he really could have used this opportunity to flourish. And a lot of the NBA, as we're seeing right now with Gary Trent Jr., is just getting the opportunity and, and what you do with that opportunity. And Scal, when he hurt his knee, that he was getting his first start of the year. And uh, he injured his knee three minutes in. And then next thing you know, uh, you're, you're no longer in the team's plans. So uh, bummer to see Scal go. One of the nicest guys in the NBA. Just a fabulous, fabulous person. Really hard worker. Uh, I think he'll stick in the NBA. And I, I think he'll end up being a, a, a decent roster uh, player for, for somebody in, in the NBA. But yeah, this, you know, the Blazers made no bones about it. Terry Stotts before the game said this was a, this was a financial decision, not a not a personnel decision. And the truth is, there really there weren't any big ground moving sort of trades out there for Portland. They just don't have the bodies. You know, it, there there could have been a white side trade, but they need white side like for this season if yeah. they're trying to make the playoffs. Like they just couldn't really move them. Yeah, I don't think they wanted to move them. Um, because they were one happy with this play two, this roster needs some stability. They've had 19 different starting lineups. Uh, and three, Neil Olshay has been very clear that 
we still are going to honor our blueprint. We think the way this organization is trending and moving is the way to go. And that is keeping their core, which is Dame, CJ, Rodney Hood, Zach Collins, and Yusuf Nurkic and Anthony Simons. They're not going to stray away from that to try to make a quick fix to get into the playoffs this year. They're not losing sight of the course that they set. Uh, so, you know, that kind of really limited them right there when you enter the trade market and you're like, well, only this section of our roster is available for trade. You're going to get a lot of people turning it, turning you down or not wanting to do business with you real quick. Yeah. Uh, it, it makes me think ahead to the summer a little bit. Um, obviously Rodney hood will, will be injured for, you know, at least part of next season. Um, but it, I don't know. It, he might be back for opening night, Dave. Really? I mean, uh, you know, Wes Matthews and Kobe Bryant That's came good. back from Achilles in eight months. So, you know, the, the only good part about Rodney's injury is that it happened in December. So I, I think it's completely feasible that he'll be back um by October, I mean that's you're talking about eleven months. That's so. a good point. Actually, I forgot it was December, and in my head it was the beginning of January, and I was just, yeah, you know, rolling the nine months out. But uh, it still makes me think about next year. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe they can get Whiteside to take a big discount, you know, and come back as a backup. Uh, yeah. You know, Ariza, they you know it's it's twelve point eight non guaranteed, but they could pick that up. He yeah, fits it, like a glove. Yeah. I mean, I think he's turning 35 next year, maybe mm-hmm. 36. Yeah. The, I mean, clearly he's got some decisions. Neil has some decisions to make. Uh, and I think as they get closer to Rodney doing basketball activities, they'll be able to determine whether, okay, yeah, he'll. we think he'll be ready for opening night. We, we don't need to go out and get a small forward. But if he's having setbacks or still looks a little shaky where they want to bring him back slowly, then maybe they do look at uh, – do we need a starting level type small forward? But yeah, you know, my sense is, is I don't think Whiteside's going to take a huge cut. I mean, he's making 27 mil this year. How, how long, I mean, how low is he going to go? Uh, and then you have to worry about, you know, how much you want to pay a guy coming off the bench. Right. You, know, you don't want to get into paying a guy $15 million and he's coming off the bench or even $10 million. Well, I'm not sure what his bench, market's so. going to be, to be honest with you. Yeah, I know. If yeah, Andre Drummond's any indication... You know, where they yeah. traded him for John Henson, Brandon Knight, and a second round pick. I, I just don't know if the money is yeah. going to be out there for Whiteside. So, you know, he might be, he might yeah. be, you know, happy to, to take a little discount to stay in a place, you know, that he likes. Um, looking ahead yeah. to, to the next few games, uh, they've got Utah, Miami, New Orleans, and Memphis um, before the All Star break. They could really. Huge closeout. Yeah, they could really make a huge run here toward the eighth seed going into the all-star break. Um, or they can go, or they can really dig themselves a hole. Those I, are four pretty good teams. I've turned a new leaf on the show. I'm trying, I'm trying to look to the positive here. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, certainly the way they've been playing, the way they've been playing, you could think, you know, three out of four, maybe, you know, Utah's Utah spiraling a little bit right now. And, and Portland just whooped them uh, a week ago. Miami's going to be tough. Uh, Portland has not played New Orleans very well this year. And then the first look at Memphis, uh, at Memphis on the back end of a back-to-back uh, in the, the last game before the All-Star break, that's going to be a really, really key game. So, yeah, this is uh, 
this is getting to the fun part of the NBA season. This is when, you know, Damian Lillard said it last night. We're beyond the point in the schedule where you can just say, okay, yeah, that's just a game. Every game now is huge. And I love that about when the NBA season gets to that point where it's like you can definitely see, boom, this moves us up to this, you know, or this moves us down to that. And uh, and then you start factoring in tiebreakers and all that. This is when the NBA season is fun because you can sense with players like Damian Lillard, they're like, okay, it's time to go up one more notch. And and you start to see games become a little bit more intense, a little bit more well-played. Uh, and that's when that's when the product really, really steps up. Absolutely. Um, as we close, uh, looking at All-Star Weekend, Damian Lillard's going to be performing at All-Star Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of all right. Yeah. Listen, I, I personally don't care, but yeah. kind of interesting that that a, an active NBA player is going to be like the musical performer at All Star Saturday Night. I mean, clearly this is the first time it's ever happened, so I mean it's a big deal. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, look, Dame is he's a one of a kind. There's been nobody like him, and uh, his talent and his uh, dedication to both. I don't, there's not a lot of people who can do that. Uh, I think it's really cool. I think he's proud of both. And the thing is, is that he hasn't let one get in the way of the other. Right. He knows when to pour the time into one and when to pour time into the other. He never really lets either get in the way. So he's accomplished in both. And I think it's cool that he's getting recognized for both. So I think it's a moment that, that secretly he's really proud about. I think he's really going to enjoy that and enjoy being recognized by his peers on both fronts, both the music and the basketball. It's good for Dame. One other thing, you know, we went through almost the whole thing without touching on the biggest story inside the Blazers right now, which is the Nurk watch. You know, oh, we still yes. Don't really, we still don't really know when he's going to be coming back. He suffered the calf strain uh, after one of his full contact practices, which has set him back a little bit. Uh, the team is still being very hush-hush on uh, the extent of it. They kind of characterize it as mild. We don't know if he's returning back to practice, where he's at with that. But I would I would guess now with that little minor setback with the calf strain that his return will be after the All-Star break. But we still don't really know. That's my guess now is that they will wait and be really safe with him and have him return after the All-Star break. All right. Well, we're looking forward to it. We need some NERC content. Yeah. And, it's, yeah, and as, as Neil Olshay said, uh, I saw an interview that he did. He said when they get NERC back, it'll be better than any move that any other team made at the All-Star break or at the trading deadline. So, you know, that's an, a way to look at this for the Blazers who are for fans who are complaining that well, Portland didn't do anything at the deadline. Well, they've got an All-Star level center coming back to the roster. And then even beyond that, uh, a pretty solid dude in Zach Collins who uh, could be coming back in March as well. Yeah, and again, it, th- this this is why this stretch is so huge for them. You know, going yep. winning five out of six, beating the Spurs, coming up with New Orleans and, and Memphis. If they can win both of those games, you know, the Utah game, yeah, certainly they won it. But if they can if they can go and win head to head, they put themselves in as good a position as anybody as we come back from the All Star break to make that push for the eight seed, especially with Nurk coming back. Yeah. The Memphis game is going to be huge because that could be a really a, a tone setter for the season series because that's the first matchup. And if you can win the one on their 
court, then that really uh, it really sets a nice tone for the rest of the for the stretch run. Well, uh, we're ourselves getting ready for the stretch run. Uh, I'll be an all-star. Jason, you're not going to be an all-star, are you? I will not. Okay. Well, uh, I guess I'll have to have all the fun for you. Uh, sure we'll, you will. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be back soon with more from the Rose Garden.